Coming up on Studio Berlin, our hosts take a look back at the important news stories of the year. Sumi Somaskanda hosted our very first show in June 2019. First of all, if you look at Fridays for Future, it's amazing to see the, the vigor and enthusiasm that young people across Germany have brought out to the streets every Friday. Soraya Sahardi Nelson talked with female mountain climbers from Afghanistan and their hopes for their country. So these girls were an example of people who are, or young women especially, who are trying to make a difference in their country and make a difference for themselves, who are in danger of being in the next wave of refugees, if you will. Eric Kirschbaum analyzed Berlin's housing crisis. Berlin was so heavily indebted in the 90s. Now it's growing. I think people should embrace that a little bit more. And I wish they would complain more about the low wages in Berlin instead of the rising rents. That's the real problem. The wages aren't high enough in Berlin. Up next, the best of Studio Berlin. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. Each week we take a closer look at the events and news shaping our lives here in the German capital. I'm Monika Müller-Kroll and I'm the producer of Studio Berlin. My role in this program is what you don't hear on mic. I edit the show, but this week will be slightly different. Usually you hear our core group of Studio Berlin hosts, Sumi Samaskanda, Soraya Sahardi-Nelson and Eric Kirschbaum. We also have occasional hosts, Nikki Motzen and Noah Barkin. Studio Berlin started airing in June 2019 and since then we have produced over 20 shows. So in this episode we want to get to know our main hosts a little better and highlight some of their favorite moments since we launched Studio Berlin. I'm very happy to welcome Sumi, Soraya and Eric into the studio. Hi Monica. Hi, Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. Um, it's actually not so easy to get you guys into one room at the same time. It's like herding cats. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're all very busy with various journalistic endeavors. Soraya, let's start with you. When you're not preparing and hosting a show for KCRW Berlin, uh, what are you working on these days? Well, after being a longtime foreign correspondent, six years of them for NPR here in Berlin, I've actually been working on a book this past year, um, which I find uh, even more challenging sometimes than going to a war zone. But it, it does certainly take up a lot of time. Sumi, you come from print and television. So is radio your second love? Surprisingly, radio is actually, I would say, even my first love. I'm trained in television and in print. But to me, there's no better format for storytelling, particularly long form storytelling than radio this really felt like a natural fit, and I was really happy to start with Studio Berlin. And you anchor the news. Tell us a bit about your day-to-day -day routine, if you have a day-to-day -day routine. Yeah, that's a point of consternation among family and friends, I would say, is that I don't have a day-to-day -day routine. Uh, I do anchor the news at DW Deutsche Welle, that's Germany's international broadcaster, and I'm, I'm there around 10 to 15 days a month. And that looks, as a lot of people um, would imagine, just like a normal newsroom does. You go in, you read all the wires, get prepared, work with the team to put together shows, and you anchor four to five shows a day of news. So that's a really fast-paced uh, news day, and it's nonstop. And then the rest of the time, I am looking for stories around Germany that I'm writing for international publications. And that means a lot of jumping on trains and going to talk to people. And that is equally exciting, a lot of fun. Eric, you've been living in Berlin for a long time, yeah, since 
1989, correct? Uh, 1999 in Berlin, but in Germany since 89. Okay. And so you've been reporting on German politics, also on sports, off and on. You love soccer. Yeah, I mean, I've been a text journalist my whole life since I was a little kid, and I always been a print journalist, and so radio is something completely new to me. I love listening to radio. I love the immediacy of it, and I love the challenge of trying to think quickly. I mean, broadcast journalists are amazing the way they think on their feet all the time. So it's a fun challenge to do something different once in a while. Let's talk about Studio Berlin and why it's so important to have a current affairs show in English on the air here in Berlin, Soraya. It's a unique setup. Why is it so important? As you mentioned, it's really unique. And the fact is, people who speak English, of which there are more than a million here uh, in, in Berlin, uh, they have no other way of, of getting their local news or understanding what's important uh, living here in the city because we end up taking events that happen around the world, that happen in Germany, that happen in the city, and uh, point out for them what's important, what they should perhaps be paying attention to. And what are the challenges, Sumi? Well, we are looking at issues that I would say are of local importance, but also nationwide importance. And I think what sometimes is challenging is identifying the issues that are in the news, that are uh, being discussed here, and that are also relevant to an audience that is not necessarily in Germany, and how to make that connection to people that they understand and also relate to what we're discussing. And then also just finding the, the right guests, of course, to, to be able to represent the, the breadth and width of opinions and voices that we want to have on this show. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole tradition of um, American broadcasting in Germany. RIAS uh, was a big, important role, played a big role in the Cold War. Um, and I think it's really great that um, KCRW Berlin keeps this tradition going of broadcasting in Berlin. I think it's really important. A lot of people in Berlin really seem to be hungry to hear the American point of view on things. And it's great that they have the chance. And I'm amazed how often people come up to me and say, oh, I heard you on KCRW Berlin. People, you never would have thought be listening to it. But Lots of people, not just Americans, but Germans too, listening to it. So I think it really does have an impact a lot bigger than I would have guessed. And I think your role as host is often to sort of translate, you know, the news, the what's happening in Germany. Well, I think it's also um, important to keep it uh, as a conversation and as, inter as somewhat of entertainment because you have people uh, together for 25 to 30 minutes and you need to make sure that uh, you don't lose them in that time. So, I mean, I see it as more than than simply translating news, um, I see it as as having a conversation with friends and, and uh, hopefully at some point being able to bring in uh, divergent opinions. I think sometimes uh, as foreigners, we can bring a, bring a perspective in that's really useful and valuable. For Berlin, one example, we were talking about the housing crisis in Berlin and rent. We had a really lively discussion about that a few weeks ago. You know, why is that such a sacred thing in Berlin that rents have to be cheap forever? It's not like that in any other city. So I really enjoy being able to contribute to the dialogue and discussion in Berlin that, well, hey, you know, maybe rising rents isn't just a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. It shows the economy is growing. I know you're very passionate about that topic. I also find it an interesting challenge that I come from a broadcast TV world where you literally have three to five minutes with any guest. If you're lucky, uh, you really have to cut people short. And a challenge, but a welcome one, to be able to really have time to get into an issue, which is something that I miss and lack sometimes in broadcast TV. Uh, you get to have a real lively discussion and get to the heart of an issue, which is fantastic. I would hope for listeners as well, but certainly for hosts. You're listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. Today's show is all about getting to know the hosts of Studio Berlin After the break, we'll be talking about some of their favorite stories from 2019.
public radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. You can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Hey, you, you've been hearing and reading the news all day. So what are you getting out of it? Are you smarter, more informed, better prepared for your dinner party later tonight? Well, the takeaway has you covered. We ask the tough questions, we hold lawmakers accountable, and if something just doesn't seem right, we ask, how did we get here? It's The Takeaway with me, Tanzina Vega. Tune in to The Takeaway weeknights at 6 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin. I'm Monika Müller-Kroll and in this end-of-the-year episode, I'm happy to have our main hosts in the studio. Sumi, Soraya and Eric are joining me. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and we want to highlight some of the important news stories you discussed in 2019. So let's hit the rewind button and listen to a clip from our very first show. You're striking every Friday. Give us an idea. What do your Fridays look like now? <laughs> Normally on Friday, I just go to school, my first two um, lessons. And then I just jump off on my bike and go ahead to, to the climate strike. And afterwards, we just normally we have just organizing things. And yeah. Okay, so that is actually an important step. You're skipping school every Friday. Yeah. What consequences does that have for you? I think many teachers are not that pleasured about that I that I'm not in school every Friday, but most of them are just it's a really good thing that you're doing there and I, I don't know, I think it's like some teachers are like, Yeah, you fight for the future, it's a really good thing and some others are a bit frightened. Sumi, you kicked off Studio Berlin by delving into the Fridays for Future movement. You talked with a young Berlin activist, Franziska Wessel. We just heard her. How do you think this movement has changed German politics, German society? I think it's pretty remarkable to say that it's actually had a really uh, big impact. Just talking to Franziska Wessel, as you mentioned, First of all, if you look at Fridays for Future, it's amazing to see the the vigor and enthusiasm that young people across Germany have brought out to the streets every Friday and the perseverance. You know, people blame young people for not being uh, political enough, and we've seen precisely the opposite. And how it's changed Germany, you just look at the public debate. I mean, it's put climate change and environmental protection back in the center of public debate here in Germany. Very controversially so. There are uh, many people across the political spectrum who would say that is not the main issue that we need to be focusing on here in Germany. So it's become really a point of controversy as well. well good for you for picking that as a topic of the first show because it was probably one of those exciting issues of the year so far. And it's nice to see young people finally waking up and taking push, pushing this issue forward. And as Sumi mentioned, it's become a real political hot potato this year. The SPD is in deep trouble because they've been asleep at the switch on this as well, and their new leaders might break up the grand coalition because of climate change. It needs to be higher in the priority. So well done to pick that as the opening topic for the show. Fridays for Future, is it a European movement, you would say, first and foremost? Or has it also left a mark in, in the United States or in other parts of the world? So I think Europe certainly has been at the forefront of these protests. You can see the energy that has uh, amassed around Fridays for Future in Germany and in other European countries. And we know Greta Thunberg, the 
Swedish activist is the one who spearheaded this movement. So across Europe, it has been a really vibrant movement. But we've also seen these protests across the world in Uganda and in India, in parts of the world where climate change isn't really on the radar or on the agenda. And Greta Thunberg's visit to the U.S. as well for a climate summit there has brought some of that attention to the U.S., where I actually happened to be, when Greta Thunberg was uh, in the U.S., I happened to be driving through rural upstate New York and saw kids on a Friday holding signs skipping school, which was pretty remarkable Mm -hmm. for me to see because I certainly did not expect to see that in the U.S. in a rural part of New York State. Um, So you can see the impact that that's had. Soraya, you did a two-part special on Studio Berlin unpacking a summit in Doha, Qatar, back in July that brought together... Taliban and Afghan civil leaders to try and stop the war in Afghanistan. You also highlighted a group of women mountain climbers you are writing about and who came to Berlin. You invited two of these young ladies into our studio. Let's listen. What is it about the mountain climbing that gives you that self-confidence? When we are in the mountain, there is no person to tell you what you want to do or what you should do. And you are free. And when I climb the mountain, I'm uh, feeling that I'm flying like a bird. Shagufa, you love mountain climbing too. But what do your older female relatives, for example, your mom or your aunt or your grandmother, what do they say about it? And the first, they didn't like it. And they told me why you want to do mountain climbing. But I told them, I like this uh, support and I want to do mountain climbing. And also, I want to be the first mountain climber in the Afghanistan because of that. Now they are as happy with my this work and they are supporting me. Suraya, you're in close contact with these mountain climbers. How are they doing now? What what has happened since we recorded the show back in July? Well, let me take one step back just to talk a little bit about why this summit was important for Berlin, because I obviously have a lot of interest in that part of the world. I spent uh, many years as a as a war correspondent and open to NPR's bureau in Kabul. So uh, Afghanistan is a, very, a topic very near and dear to my heart. But it's also uh, the country that sent basically the third largest group of asylum seekers to Germany during the wave in 2015 that ended up turning German politics and European politics, for that matter, on its head. So these talks are very important because the fear is that another refugee wave will come if the Taliban, in fact, gain power uh, or regain power in Afghanistan. So these girls were an example of people who are young women, especially, who are trying to make a difference in their country and make a difference for themselves who are in danger of being in the next wave of refugees, if you will. They don't want to come, but they're also well aware of of what the dangers are. And uh, these women were what we didn't hear in the studio, which I didn't find out about until later, is that their families were putting an awful lot of pressure on them to actually stay in Europe and declare asylum. Uh, and they chose not to. They went back, at least these two did. And it's a ever-growing problem where you have a lot of uh, people in Afghanistan who are saying we need to go. And these women, they're continuing to do their climb. They're actually training now to uh, become uh, SPI certified, which means that the American Mountain Guides Association will actually recognize them as climbers who can train other Uh, people in uh, single pitch instruction, as it's called. It's a certain kind of mountain climbing. And that's that that would be historic. That That's never happened in Afghanistan before. So they're continuing to do their work, but it's with that careful and worried eye on what their future holds. So what was your main motivation to write a book about them? Well, they're very inspiring. When you heard their voices on air, these are young women who 
who have done probably more in their young lives, I feel sometimes, than I've done in mine. And I've had a pretty rich career and pretty rich life. But they're so committed and so passionate. Um, and also, you know, the fact that uh, an American woman would would like start this program and, and basically make a lot of personal sacrifices to make that happen, why she was doing that, what the motivations are of all these people makes for at least interesting reporting, hopefully interesting reading. You are listening to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin 104.1 FM. We'll be back after a short break with more highlights from 2019. You've been thinking about corporate underwriting on KCRW Berlin, but just don't know how to get started? Let us make it easy for you. The next time you're on your computer, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. We'll be more than happy to explain the process step by step. It's that easy. Remember, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Then, the next time you're listening to KCRW Berlin, you just might hear your business name on the air. Welcome back to Studio Berlin. I'm Monika Müller-Kroll. And uh, for this show, I'm hosting the hosts of Studio Berlin. Sumi, Soraya and Eric are joining me in the studio. And in this show, we want to highlight some of our new stories from 2019. Eric, you did a show on a topic that's in the news almost every day. Housing and rising rents in Berlin. It's a very emotional discussion here in Berlin. And let's listen to a clip from your show on expropriation and the Mietendeckel or rent cap. Tom, where do you think rents are going to be in 10 years from now? Are they going to be higher or lower or about the same? I think that really depends on the political will in the city. So if, if the city is willing to take uh, drastic steps to reorient the market within the city, then we could stabilize the rent and, in my opinion, even possibly lower the rent as well. That was Thomas Magas. He is part of a movement in Berlin that wants to expropriate large landlords, uh, landlords that have more than 3,000 apartments. You also talked with him about uh, the Mietendeckel, the rent cap, Berlin's House of Representatives will likely vote on the rent cap at the start of the next year. So it looks like that Berlin will take a slightly different path when it comes to housing, different than uh, London or Paris. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bizarre discussion in Berlin. It's uniquely Berlin that people think rent should stay cheap forever and actually go down. I mean, I don't know any other city in the world that's growing where the rents are going down. And I think People who think that are living in a kind of a dream world, maybe a utopian communist world that Berlin used to be. Um, but I think the reality is um, rising demand. 50,000 people are coming to Berlin every year. Rents are going to go up and they can either go up gradually if there's enough investment in building so there's enough apartments being built. Or they're going to go up even sh more steeply if they try to put in rent caps like this. This is only scaring away investors. I know people who now are not going to buy property in Berlin. And, and, and so there's going to be a bigger housing shortage in Berlin a few years down the road if they do things like this. 
Fortunately, there's a, a legal system in Germany. The courts and courts are already looking at these attempts by the Berlin government to uh, introduce these caps. And, and, and people even in the Berlin Senate have told me that they don't think they're going to stay up, be held up in court. So who knows what's going to happen? But it's such a uniquely Berlin discussion. It's good that Berlin is growing and it's not such a poor city anymore. Berlin was so heavily indebted in the 90s. Now it's growing. I think people should embrace that a little bit more. And I wish they would complain more about the low wages in Berlin instead of the rising rents. That's the real problem. The wages aren't high enough in Berlin. I agree with what you're saying that you can't stay with low rents forever. But when you have an apartment for 550 euros that that nearly 1,800 people show up to see, which I read about in, in the local uh, just a couple days ago, that's pretty frightening. I mean, it doesn't se- sound like demand for housing, you know, is being met or that wages are keeping up if that many people are going after that low in apartments. Those are two absolute problems that, that the issues, is the wages aren't high enough and there's not enough uh, supply. It's all supply and demand. This is a free market economy. I wish there were more apartments being built. And if the rents were attractive enough so that investors would get a, a reasonable return, there would be more building. There's plenty of room in Berlin. There'd be more building and then there would be more availability. And then it wouldn't be 1,800 people looking for one apartment. There'd be five or six showing up. It's a problem of supply and demand. And you cure that problem by building more apartments. And before we wrap up this Best of Studio Berlin episode, one more question to all of you. Um, what stories do you think will dominate 2020? I guess I'll start. <laughs> Please. Um, certainly the elections in the United States. Uh, I think there is going to be a big impact here uh, in Europe. There, A lot of people are watching, especially uh, because President Trump is... Uh, currently undergoing impeachment proceedings. You know, it, will he actually be kicked out? Will he get to run? Will this reinforce him? And what sort of repercussions will there be if he, in fact, uh, gets a second term, as many Germans suspect? I was on Phoenix Wunder just a few weeks ago, and it was shocking to me how the German journalists and academics on the panel, how absolutely concerned they are with this. Or I mean, it's they're much more concerned about the German-U.S. relations, uh, I think, than the other way around. Then Amer- Americans are a little surprised when you say Germans are worried and they're very just upset with, with the tenor and that, that's existed uh, since this administration took charge in the United States. So I think that's going to be a really big story uh, that plays out here as well as in the United States. Sumi, what do you think? Something we've been talking a little bit about before we got in the studio was German politics. Uh, we just saw a new leadership takeover, the Social Democrats, and we we should explain that the Social Democrats have been suffering in the polls and in elections. And this is Germany's oldest party, a, a party that has a deep history and tradition. And it has thrown into question again whether Angela Merkel's coalition government will survive. We don't know yet if that's the case. We'll have to go into the new year because we're getting to the end of the year. Nothing will happen before the end of December. But in the start of the new year, that would be Angela Merkel's last full year uh, at the helm of this country. She has said that she would like to step down uh, in 2021 at the end of her term. But it could happen earlier if her partners in government, the Social Democrats, decide that they no, lo- no longer want to be a part of the government. So this is this uh, eternal question that we keep asking, will Angela Merkel survive? Will she survive? And she has in the past. I think that she likely will in the year to come as well, in 2020. But it will be a big topic of discussion here. And Eric? Yeah, they took my ideas away from me. I mean, to- I totally agree that <laughs> the U.S. election is the big story next year, but also the survivability of the German coalition. I think it's a lot less Likely it will make it to 2021 now with the new SPD leadership because they are not pro-grand coalition people. 
And it's going to be a lot more turbulence for Merkel next year, so we'll, we'll have to see about that. But I also think climate change is going to be a bigger, big story again next year. And the whole idea of electromobility, um, electric cars and things, Germany is way behind on this. And the German car companies are slowly waking up to the fact that consumers want electric cars. And the German car industry has been a bit arrogant, thinking that um, fossil fuel cars are the way to go. And they're just realizing now slowly and belatedly that that's not going to work in five or 10 years. And we saw this just the other week with Audi is laying off a bunch of workers because they're not really ready for the, the change in what the consumers want. So those are, I think, some stories that will be interesting to follow next year as well. Sumi, Soraya, Eric, thanks so much for doing this show with me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Monica. And thanks for hosting this week so we didn't have to do it. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Enjoy your weekend. Bye bye.